Hello and welcome to the Forever Sports Podcast. This is episode two and our first ever rugby episode. And today I'm going to be speaking to Lions Rugby Company physiotherapist um, Previn Applesamy, who is going to be discussing everything that's happening at the union and what's been going on during the lockdown, um, as well as sort of taking us into the um, the ins and outs of what goes on behind the scenes at the Lions Rugby. So Lions have had a bit of a strange season. Um, they didn't have the best Super Rugby um, start, well, best start to the Super Rugby season before the um, COVID-19 pandemic brought it to a close. And recently they've been dealt quite a big blow where um, a number of players and a coach have actually chosen to cancel their contract, um, taking up the um, Saru's um, um, option to cancel contracts due to the financial implications of the COVID-19 disease. Um, this includes promising youngster Tyron Green and attack coach Neil DeBrain. Um, and Malcolm Marks had um, well, had originally been announced to have cancelled his contract, but reports are now surfacing saying that he is currently renegotiating a new contract in a, sim- a situation which seems to be similar to that of Pete Steft Toy. So um, interesting times for the Lions, but um, let's go th- um, to Previn and find out exactly what it is to be the Lions physio and um, what is happening at the union at the moment. Yeah, so um, can you sort of give us an idea of what what it is you do and um, your sort of journey to to where you are now? So currently, I'm the senior physio at the Lions Rugby Company. I'm attached to the Super Rugby and the Curry Cup teams. Uh, This is my second stint um, at the Lions. Uh, So I've had quite an unusual journey to get to where I am uh, currently. Um, My first the junior structures, and that started in 1998, um, working with the under-19, under-21, and the Vodacom team, which is a competition that doesn't exist anymore. Um, and I worked with the, within those junior structures from 1998 until 2010. Um, and there was quite a fun uh, sort of introduction into the rugby environment, working with the juniors and watching them um, progress and grow into senior players who then gone to represent the senior team. So I started with the Lions two years after I finished uh, at university. I was at University of uh, Wits. And back then, uh, we used to volunteer as students to go and assist the senior team when they used to play in the Super 10 and Super 12 rugby competitions back then. Um, so when there's an opportunity that came up um, in 1998, I went through for an interview and I was given the job for the for the junior team. So I had 12 years, and then after 12 years, kind of needed a break, had family commitments, had a young family, needed a break to focus on my practice. And I left for a period of six years. And after six years, I was um, contacted again by Rudolf Strali, um, who told me that they were looking for a physio again, for this time for the senior team. Uh, went in for an interview, and I've been there ever since. So that was... From the end of 2016, the team had, I think, just won their, oh, sorry, just had lost their first Super Rugby final. And I just joined them for the Curry Cup um, that season. Um, and then obviously since then, we've had a fairly successful initial couple of years and maybe not so success, successful of, of late. And then just sort of um, your sort of sporting background. I mean, did you play rugby inside of school? I mean, was rugby always a sport that sort of interested you or was just one of those things where you, while you were at varsity, you ended up going to sort of the rugby side and just sort of stuck? I played uh, cricket and hockey at school and rugby wasn't a sport that was actually offered at my school. I went to school in KZN and that wasn't a 
for us. So we uh, focused in the summer months on cricket and in the winter months, I was fortunate enough to play a bit of uh, field hockey. Um, but rugby was something that always appealed to me. And I used to watch uh, rugby back on the SABC channels uh, in the early 90s, late 80s. Nas Berta was my uh, kind of folk hero. My parents probably mm. thought I was mad watching what was considered an apartheid sport in those days. But um, the traditional north-south derby between uh, uh, Western Province and Northern Transvaal was the was a game I kind of lived for, and uh, Nas was my hero. Um, so I always had an interest, even though I never played the sport. And then when this opportunity came up via being a student at Wits, I I, took, I, I was you know sort of um, I looked forward to it. I grabbed it with both hands. I was very happy to assist on most uh, weekends just to learn and to be involved in that uh, environment. It was phenomenal for me. And then can you just sort of talk us mm-hmm. through what, what it is you do um, at, the, at the Lions? I mean, obviously there's the whole sort of injury and prevent stuff like that, but I mean, can you take us through like almost a week, a week in the life of, of you um, at the Lions? Okay, so let's assume that we just played on the weekend, on the Saturday. Um, Monday morning, we would arrive at the Union. My day usually starts quite early at around 7 o'clock, mainly to probably get through Johannesburg traffic and get uh, to the Union quite early in time. But I kind of use that time if I need to do any um, treatment on players and can kind of fit in a few players and few treatments quite early. But most players arrive at the stadium on a Monday at about 9 o'clock. Uh, we go through um, a bit of a medical review and a screening process just to assess what the injury status of the team and for the players are after the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of gives us a, an idea of what our team will look like um, for the week coming up and in terms of the preparation. Once we've done a full medical on the squad, then that information gets filtered through mm-hmm. to the coach. Um, who's then able to make informed decisions about his team for the coming weekend. So that usually takes up most of the morning. Um, we have a team consisting of a team doctor, myself, who's a team physio. Uh, we have a biokineticist and we have our strength and conditioning um, trainer. And we sit together with our, our junior medical team. And we uh, discuss the players that are relevant to um, the Super Rugby team, in my case, and to the junior squads. Because um, often the junior squad will contribute to the Super Sport Challenge, which is a team that uh, competes concurrently with the Super Rugby team. Um, by the time the morning has completed on a Monday, we have an idea of who's going to be available, who's not going to be available. On a Monday afternoon, we have a fairly light field session. We call it a flush out or a recovery session in the field. The guys typically do a, f- a few conditioning games, maybe a bit of touch, um, you know, maybe a bit of uh, detail for the weekend coming up. Um, and then we usually finish on a Monday around about four o'clock. So it's quite a long day, uh, but it's to get all the gym work and everything done before the field session in the afternoon. We usually have lunch at the union. Um, as a team, and then we, about an hour after lunch, then we usually on the field. Um, on a Tuesday, we have a, a, a prehab session in the morning. That's our first session of the day, around about 7 o'clock. All the players come in. We kind of do an injury prevention class for about half an hour, just focusing on the on the sort of important uh, joints, ankles, knees, shoulders are the ones that are typically injured with with rugby just due to the fact that it's a 
It's a high-paced uh, impact sport. Uh, so we tend to focus on uh, certain joints and make sure that we kind of bulletproof our players before the, the weekend coming up. Um, thereafter, we go into uh, uh, sort of team meetings, um, a preview of the weekend game, uh, video sessions, and looking at our opponents coming up for the week and formulating a plan in terms of where we think we can attack and how we need to defend against them. Um, Tuesday is normally the, the sort of the uh, morning team training session, uh, and it's probably our hardest session of the week. Um, the forwards will go through their scrum mauling um, uh, sort of sessions, and the, the backs will normally work on their um, if, on their attacking skills and their attacking shape for the weekend. Wednesday is typically our off day. Uh, on the Thursday is our defense session. Again, quite a hard session. 48 hours before, we do take a little bit of contact in our defense session. Uh, we try and control the contact uh, so that we're not picking up any um, injuries in that session. Uh, and uh, we normally, by the afternoon, go into a gym session and treatment and whatever other sort of last-minute uh, fine-tuning that needs to happen um, in the gym session as well. Um, by the Friday, we do our captain's run. Uh, so it depends. If we play at home, then the captain's run is at Ellis Park, usually around about 11 o'clock. As the name suggests, it's a session that is led by the captain. So in this case, this year it was um, Elton who ran our sessions. So if he felt like we needed to do a few um, moves from the lineup. Then we would do a few lineup moves, we'd do a few kickoffs, a few exit plays, um, a few defensive drills in terms of um, how we kind of structure our defense um, on um, broken play, on uh, structured play. And once he's kind of um, reached a point where he's happy with that session, then he would call that session in usually about half an hour, 45 minutes, and then have lunch together and go home. So we typically have the whole of Friday afternoon um, off. Guys put their feet up and um, uh, prepare for the game the next day. So we advise them to get a good night's sleep on the Friday, um, enough hours, at least eight hours prior to a game. And we meet on a Saturday four hours before the time. Um, four hours, just a quick prep session for about half an hour when we arrive. Um, then it's a pre-match meal, which normally uh, consists of uh, sort of lean protein and uh, a good carbohydrate. And we then start with all the strapping um, pre-game. And usually we move from our preparation area into the change room about 90 minutes to an hour before the game. Last minute preparation and the guys putting on uh, all their socks and boots and all their practice gear on and then we usually uh, do our warm-up around about 40 minutes prior to kickoff. And then, I mean, you talk about... Different, but are there any particular players at the Lions that are that just love their strapping and you sort of just spend hours and hours strapping like sort of every inch of their body? Uh, I, I don't want to name any names, uh, but we do have our usual candidates that uh, do prefer to, um, you know, to go through quite a lengthy strap, strapping process. So we have a, a schedule and we try to uh, focus on getting the, the guys that need the most amount of strapping done uh, earlier and then the guys that need the least towards the latter part of our uh, strapping period. So we, we, 
we generally like to do uh, uh, preventative strapping on most players for their ankles, just so they don't pick up any unforeseen ankle injuries. Uh, the rest of it is purely optional. But if a guy has had uh, surgery in that season, whether it's shoulder surgery, knee surgery, we try and almost make it a compulsory thing that they do strap that particular joint that's undergone surgery and they are on the on the return to play um, sort of pathway that they still ma- uh, maintain their strapping for that season. And then in terms of like injuries, um, obviously when, when players are recovering, they won't be po- taking part in this to some of the sessions. What is your sort of role in, you know, um, helping with the rehab and, and the, those, those sort of steps to getting players back to full fitness? We have a, a system at the Lions where we our long-term injuries, in other words, um, players that are going to be in, uh, involved will be out of play for eight weeks or longer. So in other words, they're unlikely to form any part of the campaign uh, that season. They are looked after by our long-term physios. So there's three physios within the system. So she looks after our long-term injuries. Um, and like I said, it's anything from about eight to 10 weeks to longer. Anything less than that where we think that they can st- we can still get them back within that season, then I'll, I'll look after them. Uh, that's my uh, my portfolio. Um, so the long-term injuries are, are, are sort of uh, attract and we discuss them on a weekly basis and there's a sharing of ideas and, you know, sort of discussing of various roles within his journey towards recovery between the biokineticist, the long-term physio and the rest of the medical team. Um, like I said, the short-term injuries, whether it's maybe a, a sort of a mildly sprained ankle or a, a torn hamstring, I'll, I'll look after those players and ensure that they follow the normal return-to-play protocols. And then, like, your sort of the role, Joe, I mean, with, within the coaching staff, what is the sort of relationship between, you know, the medical staff and the coach staff? I mean, do you have one sort of person that acts as a liaison or you guys just continuously um, chatting between each other? What's How's that sort of dynamic work? We have quite a good uh, open relationship and we have channels available to us um, at the Lions where we can discuss uh, players um, between myself and the head coach and the various coaches. But our usual channels are via our team doctor. So after that meeting on a Monday, we've discussed the you know, the medical status of the team, then a full comprehensive report is sent through to the to the coach. But we, we've got a good relationship with our coaches at the union and you know, they come into our offices, we go to their offices and we can have a sit, a sit down and a chat about a player mentally, physically, where he is with his preparation, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, we it's a nice platform and it's a nice um, sort of, uh, environment that's been created over there where we do have um, we do have that license to discuss players at that level. And then in ter- uh, we, we always sort of read about sort of national coaching and dollars and stuff like that where everybody sort of shares resources. Sources. Is that is there a sort of similar setup when it comes to medical staff like with the national setup and with other union stuff? Um, yeah, we we do have our own little WhatsApp groups that we do discuss um various issues, um, especially like the, the senior um, physiotherapists that are involved uh, with the other teams, whether it be the Bulls, the Stormers, the Sharks, um, often about logistics and how to arrange recovery areas, especially when you're doing a super rugby tournament, um, whether in Australia, New Zealand, massage therapists, um, who to speak to at various hotels with regards to, say, uh, ice recovery or whatever else that we might uh, need while we're away on tour. So we do have that relationship. And with the national team, um, 
we we do have good uh, communication between the national team and our franchises where if there is a, a, a camp perhaps that's hosted by the Springboks uh, and any of our players are on that camp, then we will forward a report through to the national team uh, regarding their medical issues. And once they're done with the camp, then we, uh, it's reciprocated where we do receive um, a report back from the, from the national team. Uh, with the recent national uh, alignment camps, this was pre-COVID-19, um, the, the medical team was kind enough to invite the, uh, the various um, franchise physios to the alignment camp. And we were able to sit around the table and discuss players um, face-to-face. So that was quite useful. Um, Renee Naylor, she's the current uh, Bach physio, and she's, um, she's managed to create good communi- communication channels between the various franchises and the national team. So that works really well. So you, you, you mentioned the whole pre-COVID thing. What has been happening during the sort of the lockdown? I mean, how, I mean, how difficult has it been to try and ensure that, I mean, certain players with that are coming back from injuries and players having to keep fit and stuff like that without a, with with no sort of deadline almost about as to when they're going to come play. So how how have you guys sort of negotiated this sort of endless sort of um, future where you're not quite sure when they're coming back, but people have to remain fit enough and people still need to continue their rehab and that sort of thing. What's what's it been like with the lockdown? It has been tough. I think the mental aspect has probably been the most challenging, uh, keeping guys motivated. Um, to be uh, to comply with the programs that they've been given. Everybody's been uh, given uh, a strength and conditioning program that they needed to follow at home. Obviously, in those initial days when we were under the strict lockdown, um, the cardiovascular side of things were, was obviously a bit tougher to get conditioned. We did um, provide uh, the watt bikes and rowers and things like that, whatever we had in our gym, we got the players to come, um, we got them delivered to the players so they at least had a piece of equipment there as, as well as weights that we, we, so we basically emptied our gym and we distributed it to the 35, 40 players that we have in our squad and they were able to still follow a, a, a program um, at home. And obviously as the lockdown has eased and uh, we went to the 6 to 9 a.m., um, exercise time then the players were able to get on out of the road and get more running um, on their legs which is what they didn't or couldn't do in those first um, phase of lockdown so it was a lot better that they were able to um, start getting out of the road running uh, completing a few tests that we had put out for them so they needed to do a few tests in the level four lockdown and submit all that data which we then collect and look at um where players are in terms of their respective um, fitness programs, how fit they are, whether they're unfit, um, adjusting programs accordingly. And um, obviously now that we're in level three, we can, we've got a lot more uh, freedom with them in terms of pushing them. If we want to do two sessions in a day, we can do a morning and an afternoon because there's no restriction on um, being outside. So that helps a hell of a lot. And then, I mean, with everybody submitting their, their, there is also there. Are there any particular players who are sort of consistently always seem to be um, some of the top fit, top fitness guys? Um, you know, probably the guys that have been around the longest are the the most professional. A player like Elton, I mean, I couldn't speak volumes about him. He's probably the most professional person that I've come across um, in terms of uh, his 
his compliance with his program, his compliance with his recovery, attending to whatever needs to to get attended to. Uh, you know, a player like uh, Elton Courtnell, um, Warren, Yaku Creel, you know, the, the guys that have been around the block, they're probably the, you know, the the, uh, the, the role models for, for youngsters in the team. So we've got a lot of young people, young, young players in the team. So if they use um, our senior players as um, a guide, I think they will be able to go um, quite far. You know, they always, our, our captain leads by example, is always uh, willing to put in an extra gym session or an uh, extra kicking session. He's always there to mentor some of our young players coming through like a Gianni in terms of um, kicking technique, um, goal kicking, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, really he's, he's, he's quite a, a valuable member of our, of our team. And then you, you mentioned two players, especially, um, Obviously, we know that Warren Whiteley's future is always sort of a bit up in the air. But Jakko Creel and Johnny Lombard um, are there when when we sort of looked to to get back. Are they um, close to being back to full fitness? I mean, can we, are we going to see them soon? Or yeah, so that's the upside of uh, COVID is that all our long term injuries have all recovered during this time. Um, so we were considered essential um, workers, and we were able to work with a permit and travel. Uh, and then follow through with all our long-term injuries and rehab them properly and make sure that they uh, were ready post this lockdown period. So Touchwood, at the moment, we're not sitting with any player that isn't available once we resume training, which we hope will be in the next week or two. Gianni will be back. Um, Yaku is available. Uh, we had a, uh, Rainer Hertz was our lock who had a shoulder injury and shoulder surgery pre-season. He'll be available. So Everybody who was on our long-term injury list who initially wasn't going to be available for Super Rugby are now, will now be available for whatever new tournaments um, we do play. So that's good. And when, and when they sort of announce whatever the plan is or whatever the tournament is, um, what is the sort of usual the time it takes to go from, you know, so if the squad had to gather tomorrow for the first time, how long does it take from then to, to go from that to being match ready? So in terms of player welfare and making sure that we uh, mitigate against the risk of injury, uh, you need to provide players with a four to six week conditioning, rugby conditioning program. Um, so in other words, to become rugby fit, you know, because the one thing that they haven't uh, been able to do is the contact stuff. But unfortunately, with COVID, we aren't allowed to do any of the con contact uh, fitness drills as yet. Um, so initially, even with a return to play, we don't anticipate us being allowed to do any contact work for probably the first month. And if that's four weeks, then we probably need another two to three weeks of contact readiness thereafter to then be able to play a full 80-minute uh, game. So we're looking at about, a, would say, a six to eight-week period, possibly, to be ready. Oh, cool. So now, now looking back at your sort of your time there, I mean, what – I mean, obviously – tour the world and stuff like that. What are, what are some of your highlights um, from your time at the Lions? Um, I think 2017 Super Rugby final, um, we had a full house at Ellis Park. Um, it, we, the team had, we lost the first game in Argentina that year, but we went um, through every game thereafter unbeaten. Uh, and it was such an amazing place to be where you arrive on a Monday after a game and 
the team is in such a high, so confident that you just almost anticipate a win every weekend. It's an amazing feeling to an amazing place to be where the team is so connected and so aligned to wanting to achieve a goal. Um, and it's just a pity that on that day, the Crusaders were a better team. You know, there's a debatable red card, um, but it was really still, it will stand out to me as being one of the most uh, special days. It is quite sad in a way we lost our coach that year because he went on to Gloucester and it's quite an emotional occasion to lose Akkas because he was he was our figurehead. You know, he kind of led from the front. He was uh, he was somebody that we all looked up to, and he uh, he was a passionate uh, man about rugby, very knowledgeable, and uh, had the utmost respect for him. And I mean, I think. That's a, I mean, it's a very interesting um, point to raise, especially the sort of mentality and the winning mentality and how all the best teams almost, it's almost like a slight arrogance where you get to that stage where, you know, you, you expect to win because that's, that's now sort of where you are. I mean, how much do you think that has carried the team with so many departures, with um, Jan Ackerman leaving and so many key players moving over the years, but the team sort of continuously need to sort of perform above the level that people would have probably expected? Yeah, I think that uh, the legacy that he left behind, um, it, it, it endured for a long time. And we were able to kind of ride that uh, legacy and ride that wave because it was, a, it was a, I wouldn't say arrogant, but it was a very confident team. Um, you know, the players um, are quite humble even in winning. So even though we might have won on the weekend, you press the reset button and, you know, the senior players will be like, okay, we focus on the week's game coming up now. And it was, it was, it's a, it's a nice place to be in you know, a winning is a habit, but losing is also a habit, but we were definitely able to, to utilize that confidence of being in a final in 2016, being in a final in 2017, being in a final in 2018 and kind of carrying that uh, onto the field in terms of performance, because, you know, sometimes we would find ourselves in a really deep, deep, dark place on the field, but still knowing that we had the ability to come back in the second half in the last 20 minutes of a game and still pull the game through. Uh, we knew, especially at home at the high salt, that you know teams will struggle to keep up with us in that last 20 minutes. And as long as we maintained our intensity and our pace and we moved the ball around, that we would nine out of 10 times um, win a game because at high salt, 1,600 meters above sea level, you can if you're on the side of the field, you can really see you know sort of opposition teams fatigue and as soon as you see them with a sort of in that uh, almost like a desperate state, it's almost like a confidence filler for us. Players would see that and then we just knew here's a time to switch on and we can we can go now. And so it was it's a really uh, important part of our um, strategy and our game and, uh, and what feeds our confidence um, you know, on, a, on a game day. Now, I mean. It's almost like this year was almost sort of a bit of a reset button, you know, a very, a very new coaching staff, um, quite inexperienced coach staff. We've now just seen that Neil DeBrain is, is going to be leaving. You know, what, what do you think is the, the challenge now for the Lions, considering that it's such a, it's also such a young squad, so many exciting youngsters coming through now. Um, what do you think the challenge will be now in the sort of the, the, the next few years? I think we're definitely in a rebuilding phase. Um, obviously the teams from 2017 and 2018, it's hard to keep, um, uh, an entire squad together like that because they become quite valuable for uh, the overseas market. So Japanese teams, French teams, teams in England, uh, you know, we can't compete um, monetary wise with those teams. So it was always going to be difficult to 
um, you know, to keep that squad from 2017, 2018. Um, now it's a case of, you know, we, we're not a franchise that necessarily buys players in. We might buy the odd player, but we're very much a team that develops from uh, within. And we've had very successful junior uh, systems and junior teams that have won their respective competitions. And we're definitely trying to focus on developing those players for the years that come. So we might have a, a tough year this year, perhaps maybe next year. But, you know, if those players can learn in the next two years and develop the way we want them to, I think um, it will set us up uh, quite well for the for the future. I see this Lions team um, sort of reaching the same heights that we had in the past in 2016 to 2018. Uh, last year, we had a very young team in Curry Cup. We got to the final against the Cheetahs. We just unfortunately left our our charge just too late in the game. If we had probably another five to ten minutes, we we reckon we could have pulled that game out of the hat. We just um, we didn't play for sixty minutes, and we only decided to play for twenty minutes. And if we had won that, I think it would have might have been a different uh, Super Rugby campaign. Might have uh, um, taken some of that confidence of winning a Curry Cup into Super Rugby this year. But uh, we still believe in our process and what we need to achieve. And we still have faith in our youngsters who are coming through um, a lot of talent over there. So I think they'll, um, they'll be big contributors to the Lions legacy. And then, I mean, now obviously with the future of rugby being so sort of up, up in the air and all the different competitions, you know, do you think that this is the right sort of time to, even if, for example, um, like, um, South African teams don't, leave Super Rugby and go north side, but do you think this is a time to maybe sign sort of re refine certain competitions and maybe try and get, you know, the carry cup um going in a bigger way than it and like it used to be and maybe make Super Rugby a bit more exciting again? I think um, Curry Cup, if it does happen this year, sort of takes on uh, even more importance because of so little rugby having been played this year. You know, rugby players play rugby because they want to be competitive. You don't want to be training and be on the side of the field the whole year and not play enough rugby. So we played six games before the competition was called off. Um, so if we do get to a Curry Cup this year, hopefully we do, and the powers that be still are able to arrange a competition, even if it does take place in the latter part of um, this year, I think it'll be exciting because uh, Curry Cup is... Uh, for, for me, it's still a flagship competition in this country. Um, it's, a, it's a stepping stone, just like Varsity Cup is, for younger players to show their talent and to uh, get senior contracts and to you know, sort of earn their place in Super Rugby teams. So I think there's a lot of value in still um, making sure that a, a competition like Curry Cup is, uh, you know, sort of is, is part of our rugby tradition and part of the rugby landscape in this country. It's it's uh, it's it's still an exciting competition for me. And then before we get to you, I just wanted to ask. I mean, what is what does the future hold for you? I mean, do you have um sort of any more ambitions? Any other things you want to do in the near future, or are you sort of very comfortable with the line and stuff like that? Or I mean, what what would you like to still do in your career? So the Lions is a very happy environment. I, uh, you know, not many people can say that they love what they do in terms of their work, but I love what I do. I, the people that are at the Lions, uh, I've made friendships over there that last me for a lifetime. Uh, players that have moved on, who are still keeping contact with people overseas. It's a really amazing network that you develop. So, uh, from a personal point of view, I, uh, I would love to win. Um, uh, Super Rugby, if it does happen again, or any competition, even a Curry Cup for that matter. I think winning any competition is still um, 
kind of a pinnacle in your career. Um, whether sort of anything happens beyond uh, super rugby level or provincial level, I mean, that's not necessarily um, within my hands. Uh, I don't see, foresee myself personally going overseas because I have a practice that's established here. My wife has a business um, here in this country and our, our kids are quite settled in the schools that they are at. So um, I think my role, I see myself still involved in the Lions. Um, we obviously work on a contract basis there, um, but this is where I see myself. If it does, uh, if but my career does progress to a national level, that would be amazing. If it doesn't happen, then, you know, I've still kind of proud of what I've achieved uh, in the rugby um, fraternity. And then just finally, for people that are currently um, studying and, and looking to go into sort of physiotherapy and that sort of side, what piece of advice would you give them to try and get to, to where you are? Um, I think it's, it's important within this environment. I mean, I started off as a student giving up a lot of your weekends and you don't really, you don't get paid for, um, for volunteering your service. And I think you kind of need to be open to uh, doing the hard yards initially. So kind of sort of giving up your time, um, sort of giving of yourself, have a serving mentality um, in terms of wanting to give and and learn and uh, develop as a physio. Um, and people notice the, a good work ethic. You know, a good work ethic is what um, probably separates uh, what say somebody who's in my position compared to somebody who isn't in my position. So I would I would really advise uh, young physios coming through the system if you want to. Um, you know, get to a more senior professional rugby team, you know, sort of, it, there's a lot of sacrifice that's, in, that's involved in terms of the time away from your loved ones, your family, all the travel. But for me, it's worth it. So if you're prepared to go through that, the rewards are, are amazing. So you get to see the world, you get to develop amazing friendships, you get to work in a professional environment, you get to be field side um, on game day with, 60,000 people around you. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a really unique environment and I'm blessed to have been involved in an environment like that. So um, if you're young and want to make this a career, keep um, working towards it, give a lot out of yourself and um, eventually you'll be rewarded for, for all the hard work. All right, great. Well, Perfect, thank you so much for, for giving your time and um, chatting to me. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll see you at the, on the side of the, of the park at Ellis Park soon. Thank you for having me. It was nice to chat to you today. Some very interesting thoughts there from Previn, um about the future of the Lions rugby. Um, he certainly seems to be very optimistic. Um, he says that there's a very good um, bunch of youngsters within the union and that they are going to back them. And he believes that they they can achieve similar heights to the group before them, which would probably be, which would be going to a um, Super Rugby final and hopefully lifting the trophy, which is a personal accolade that he says that he would really like to add to his um, tally of achievements. And um, yeah, I mean, the Lions are in a bit of a strange situation. They've been boosted by the fact that they're going to have all their players back when um, the season returns, although it doesn't look like we are going to have much rugby anytime soon. The fact that the, all the injuries are back, the likes of Yako Creel, Rulof Smith, Gianni Lombard, will um, fill a big void being left by some of the players um, who have departed. And I think that when the, I mean, the Lions is a team that always tries to play a nice brand of rugby and um some of the players mentioned are very exciting players, like like Yaku Creel um, 
was always a very exciting player to watch. Gianni Lombard is an electric player. And um, what we saw from Tyrone Green, I think we can see similar things from Gianni Lombard um, in the um, near future. So I think it's a, it's a union that faces a lot of challenges, but in every challenge is an opportunity. And um, if they manage to come through this well and, and get the young group really gelling and keep the momentum and the, the mentality, which has been such so anonymous with their success, that um, whole sort of... Um, group spirit and stuff like that, which has really um, been a um, key focus point for the, which what has made the team so successful recently. If they can manage to keep that, then there's no reason why this team cannot um, continue to compete. Um, but before I go, I would like to say a big thank you to our sponsor, Adana. If you don't know who Adana is, they seek to assist businesses and individuals by taking them to new heights and enabling growth through education and providing an exciting range of solutions. Donna also runs a weekly e-quiz evening, which is a great time to enter as a team and um, video call your friends in. Everything takes place online. Um, so it's the perfect time given that we can't fuck to the pubs and wear pub clothes. We can do it all online, which is a great excuse to um, contact your friends and um, chat to them and find out how they're doing. So please make, make sure you head over to adana.co.za and register. Some really cool prizes to be won and some themed quizzes coming up soon. Please also don't forget to and follow us on all our social media. We are on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Forever Sports Online is where you'll find us. And for all our latest stories and um, articles, please visit our website, www.foreversports.net. If you would like to sponsor a podcast or an episode of the podcast, please also um, get in touch with us. You can either send us a message on any of our social media links, or you can email me on Stephen, that is S-T-E-P-H-E-N, at forebersports.net. Thank you very much for tuning in, and I shall see you next week or very, very soon with another episode of the Forever Sports Podcast.